Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Did you come looking for the girl next door? Well, she don't live here anymore. She's got money for her pocket, a Bible for her soul. Gas in the tank and wide open road. Why she don't work nine to five is your best guess. That's just what happens when girl needs wet. Someday she'll motor to your hometown. Tune up her six string, throw some music down. Songs like bullets that will pierce your pain. Make you feel all back in the saddle again. If you start feeling clammy. Shortness of breath She's put you into cowboy cardiac arrest Boy meets girl, girl meets guitar Pretty soon she's swinging on a Dale Evans star Started singing for the money, stayed in for the fun This cowgirl knows how the west is from a busy, busy week that we've had. So 
as you know, and a lot of our audience knows around the world, we were at the Bluebird Cafe last night with the International Western Music Association. And uh, we had a great time for a sold-out audience, and we had people from around the world that were attending there last night. But it was a great show with uh, Ranger Doug of Riders in the Sky, Rex Allen Jr., Junior, Junie Fisher, and Bobby Marquez. And so we just had a great time sharing a little bit of uh, Western music and, as they say, putting a little Western back in the country. So it was a whole lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And then it was a busy week with my my wife and her friends, the uh, Gone with the West girls, got back from their tour. And so, you know, it's been, I've almost batched, I've almost been a bachelor this month because Barry Kay was performing solo out in Salt Lake City for a summer festival out there, came back for two days, and then she took off for this tour that lasted for 10 days, so... I've had to cook for myself, Bobby. I should have been well, losing weight. I should have been losing weight. <laughs> uh, well, you need to go with her next time. <laughs> well, somebody's got to take care of Sam. You know, Sam's got to uh, be taken care of. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, the, the good dog, the good dog. But anyway, we have so much fun lined up for today. And uh, who is our first guest? Oh, I'm excited that we have with us today Randy Palmer, and if you're not familiar with him, you will be um, by the time we conclude Campfire Cafe, and you will want his albums. (laughs) All right, so we're going to have a great time visiting with Randy, and I think he's up in your part of the country today. He's an Amarillo, Texas guy, but I think he's in northern New Mexico today, so we're going to have a great time visiting with Randy. Yeah. We'll talk with Randy, and then in the second hour, we'll be talking with Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America on Saddle Up America. So it is going to be a lot of fun today on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network's Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America. But right now, let's take a listen to a great song from our friend, Mr. Randy Palmer. It's one called Free Side of the Hill. We'll be back in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. This morning, and I knew I was alone. So I said to myself, How long can this go on? You know, I decided then and there, there is more than a mortal will. So I began a search for the free side of the hill, and you might find me. Capture peace of mind 
might find me You might find me Yes, but you might look to the free side of the hill And you might find me You might find me Yes, but you must look to the free side If you don't know how to swim and why pursue a goal that's no bigger than yourself, what's the reason for this living? Is it heaven or is it hell? You might find me. You might find me. Yes, but you must look to the free side of the hill. on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard Free Side of the Hill from the album Waterline, written and performed by today's guest, Randy Palmer. I had the pleasure of enjoying two live performances of our special guest, Randy Palmer, last fall. First in Austin, Texas, at the Southwest Regional Folk Alliance Gathering, and later in Albuquerque at the International Western Music Association's annual conference. I was deeply moved both times by his sensitive and heartfelt songwriting and by his warm and at times intoxicating voice. Intoxicating, you say? Yes, because he draws you into his story, spinning a tale of love, friendship, family, or of landscape and its history. Close your eyes and listen. Follow Randy into the twists and turns, the joys and sorrows of life. Don't hurry. This is music to breathe in and out, to hold close to your heart, and to savor. Joining us for a first time, please welcome a singer and songwriter who calls both Texas and New Mexico home, but is happiest sharing his music with you somewhere down the line. Welcome, Randy Palmer. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. I don't think I've ever had an introduction like that before. That is wonderful. I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little intoxicated, Randy, already just listening to that introduction. You know, I, I had one too many there. I mean, I... <laughs> uh, it's a good thing I got my coffee. Good thing I have yeah, my coffee. Yeah. How are you doing, my friend? 
I am doing really, really good. I'm I'm up in the mountains of northern New Mexico in a little near a town named Eagle Nest. And uh mm-hmm. it's just it's absolutely oh, beautiful yeah. and and uh, uh this is this is kind of our second home. And uh Oh that's so, uh, and it's really my heart home. It's where I like to Oh be. that's great. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm, I like Bobby. I didn't. I didn't uh, meet you at the Folk Alliance event, but I was impressed with you at the Western Music Association this past November. And uh, you know, you hear you hear a lot of performers, and you hear a lot of music, and and we all all disc jockeys or radio hosts get a lot of music that comes in, but uh, yours was good. And so I said, you know, we've got to have this guy on the show. He was great in Albuquerque. Love the albums, and uh, so we're just tickled to death to have you with us. And then on top of that, I found out that you spent time in Nashville. Oh yes, That's not yeah, bad. A, yeah. I I I made my sojourn there, in, guys, in 1977, I think, and stayed through 1980, and, uh, and uh, tried my hardest, walked those streets, uh, handed out those tapes. And I uh, tried my hardest and then decided to get married. And my wife said I had to get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it yeah, really it does. does. Yeah. Well, it's amazing do, do. how many people come into Nashville and uh, you can be extremely, extremely talented. But I think a big part of it is just luck. You know, maybe you make yeah. the right connection with the right person, or you're at the right place at the right time. Uh, I think you know, I think so. it's so relational. You know, you need to you need to build your network and and stuff. And I wasn't there long enough to do that. I mean, it takes. I mean, overnight successes probably take about ten years. And yeah, yeah. So I I think yeah. I think you really it, you really have to earn the right to be heard there. Well, I think so. Or you just need to be at the right place at the right time. I know that uh, we were talking about we did the Bluebird last night, the Western Music Association chapter did. And uh, and one of the guys that was there that was performing with us said, uh, you know, I got to play at the Bluebird, and it just happened that, uh, that an A&R guy was there, and he came up and he offered me a contract. I mean, it was just that quick, you know, so sometimes it's just being in the right place. But it doesn't necessarily be dependent upon the talent or lack of. And you yeah. certainly have the talent. You certainly have the talent. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. You're, that, that you're very it welcome. brings me great pleasure to play and write. It really does. Well, we're going to listen to some more of your great music, and then we're going to bring pleasure to our audience that's around the world right now. And, uh, Bobby mentioned somewhere down the line, so we're going to take a listen to that, and we're going to come back and talk more with Randy Palmer today on the Campfire Cafe. In my dreams, I'm an engineer just rolling down this track. I'm headed west across the Rio Grande And I'm never looking back Up into the Rockies Down the other side To the Badlands and the canyons The outlaws go to hide 
I've started off with the whole train image and everything, and that and that that brought me great pleasure because I could mark one more thing off my list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of your lyric is about you know when I craft the I craft the, the crafting of this song. So would you take a moment um, and just maybe share a little bit about your songwriting process and how you keep track of the ideas as they as they come to you? Well, I over time it's kind of changed some. Uh, back when I always carried a notebook in my breast pocket in my shirt, and uh, and I wrote down anything that was of interest. And I I used to I had hundreds of those three quarter field notebooks that just to go through and uh, and find ideas for. Uh, now I, now I do some of that on my phone, uh, and uh, but also I'm a I'm older, so I'm a little more disciplined in my writing. So I, when I sit down to write, I, I often uh, uh, start with the free-form writing and uh, see what happens in there that's interesting and go from there and, and craft a, 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 t- a title or a, a hook line and, uh, mm-hmm. and begin to write there. Uh, I, and, and most all of my songs have something to do with the life I've lived. Or the people I've known, uh, mm-hmm. and so I, I very seldom write a song that I have no personal connection to. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and that's I'm, great. And, and and that's just that's just that's just me. I know I know there are great songs out there that people just made up a story and wrote the song, uh, but that's not that's just not who I am. Mm-hmm. So is it typically so, lyric first and then yes. music, Randy? Yes. Typically. Yeah, lyric typically, first. Typically, it's I'm I am a I am a lyric guy. Uh, I mean, the words matter to me maybe more than the music, and so I, I I start with lyric, and I'm always playing while I'm writing. I keep my guitar in my hand, sitting in a chair, and I'm I'm, I'm and I let the words sometimes dictate the melody. There's just a natural mm-hmm. cadence to a lot of words, and so right. I I often I do a lot of reading out loud those lyrics mm. to see where mm. where they fit and then and then uh begin to craft a uh, a melody that uh hopefully ser- serves those words mm-hmm. randy when did all of this mm-hmm. start for you how old were you when you first started oh. getting involved with music and and when you first started writing well i i learned to play guitar from my my older brother he was like uh uh probably seven and i was five and uh, he took guitar lessons, and after the lesson was over, he would teach me what he learned, and that's how I learned to play guitar. And then, uh, I, very early, my mom sat me down in front of a, 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 her. You, you remember those console stereos? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she had yeah. one of those, and, it, and, uh, and so she sat me down in front of that, and she said, "Play with this," and it was Johnny Rivers playing Maybelline. And, uh, <laughs> and and for some reason or another, I I struck a, a chord and it fit, and I was hooked because it's my guitar sounded like the record first, at least in my mind. And uh, oh wow! And uh, I and and I was hooked. And so uh, all during elementary school, I had a friend. His name was Berkeley, and we uh, we used to take whatever was popular on the radio and rewrite the write our own lyrics to it, and uh, and and we would practice those and do those for our family and friends and things like that. Uh, so oh, I started, I started in elementary school. And, oh, that's great. And, uh, 
That's great. And really, I've never so, stopped. I still play every day. Yeah, Mary Kay kids kiss me a lot because I can't remember. I cannot remember words. So I can remember yeah. tunes great. And so I'll start to sing a song, and, and I'll just be making up words to go along with it. She just cracks up and laughs at me. But she said, somehow they all come out right. You know, it sounds okay, but, but uh, <laughs> those are not the words to that song. So yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, kind of funny. Well, when did you first decide to come to Nashville? You said, what, 77? Yes. I, I, uh, I, was a, I went to uh, college at Baylor University in Waco. Okay. And, uh, okay. And, and, and Great college. I w- yeah, it was a great school, and but I knew I wanted to be involved in music when I very first got there. So the only the closest thing that had to do with music or production, those elements combined, uh, had to were in the communication department. So I I took I I still don't know how to read music today, but I I yeah. took uh, radio, television, and film courses to learn the mm-hmm. process of production, and. Uh, and so when as soon as I graduated, uh, after, about three months after I graduated, I, I moved to Nashville. Oh, wow. And, wow. So, but, but, I knew, yeah. but, but I knew I knew in high school that I wanted to write songs. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I did. Wow. Well, we're going to get to another great song. And uh, tell us about Blow Dirt Blow. Okay. Blow Dirt, have, uh, if the book, uh, The Worst Hard Times, that the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the documentary series, the, uh, uh, the Dust Bowl, was, was uh, mm-hmm. uh, used that as a text, I think, on that. H- happened, I mean, the center of the Dust Bowl was about 86 miles north of Amarillo. And ever since I was a little kid and I could uh, read those books and look at those pictures, I've been fascinated with the Dust Bowl. And don't blow dirt blow is is written after reading the book the worst hard times, and mm-hmm. uh, wow. and uh, and I learned so much about that. I like a little trivia is a, a homestead in the Texas Panhandle. In order, in order to get people to move there was 320 acres versus 160 everywhere else in the country. Uh, gotcha. They were they it just took double to get people there, and uh. And it's it's a great read if you ever if you're ever looking for a really good read uh, read that and uh, and the names of the people involved in it just growing up in that part of the country I I knew a lot of the family histories of the people involved and uh, so it was a book that really impacted me and so dirt blow dirt blow uh, came out after I read that all right well let's take a listen to blow dirt blow. By Randy Palmer. We'll be back in just a moment to visit more with him today on the Campfire Cafe. Looks across the kingdom of the acres that he owns, of the Llano Estacado. It's a place he makes his home. You know this homestead is not easy. Claim the land and plant your mark for 320 acres. Just enough to make a start. Then it's blow, dirt, blow. These acres into dreams. You can't make her whole. Unless you give her back her heart. And you leave behind the grief. 
cowboys and the Indians. They both disagreed and they said this land was made for grass. Not cotton and not wheat. It is home to the buffalo and then the sacred cow. You turn this sod over, you're gonna drive your spirit out. Then it's blow, turn, blow These acres into dreams You can't make her whole Unless you give her back her heart And you leave behind the dream Campfire Cafe, but I bet it's not going to be the last if we have anything to do with it. So that's great. Really, really great stuff. So, um, so Randy, do you do you do any kind of a touring? Do you travel a little bit? Do you tour a little oh, yes. bit around the country? Or yeah, I yeah. I, I, I typically I play between seventy and a hundred dates a year. Uh, wow! And trying to increase that all the time. Uh, wow! So I've, I'm I'm. Uh, you know, I I get nervous if I'm not out playing. Uh, with, uh, I, I I want that connection with people. I don't know if that's ego or what, but I want I crave it. That the, just to be able to to look at people and deliver a song is a there you is, go is a little slice of heaven for me. There you go. Now, do you do you primarily tour on your own, or do you travel with somebody yes. occasionally, or a group, or what? I, Occasionally, I do. I do. I do a lot of uh, uh, house concerts, which is okay. one of my favorite venues, and uh, and then listening rooms and that sort of thing. And 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 uh, and, and truthfully, I'm looking more. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting more involved in the Western Music Association uh, because 
those I love the, the people that I've met through there, and uh, so playing for some of their functions is is going to be high on my list for the next year or two, and it's for sure. Uh, yeah. But I I I do do a, I also play in a duo sometimes with a, another writer. His name is Randy Lewis Brown, and my name is okay. Randy Lewis Palmer. So when when we get together, we are we were referred to as the Randy Boys. So uh-huh. we, we, we play, we, we play and in fact, next week we'll, we've got three dates in Colorado and, uh, oh, that's we'll great. Doing, doing a Randy boys show. And, uh, that's great. it's a whole different look because the, that, the dynamic is really fun and it's different and it's refreshing. Uh, well, it's kind, kind of, of fun playing yourself. off of each other, kind of fun playing off oh, of yeah. each other too, I think. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And that he's, is great. He's a great songwriter. We write a lot of, a lot of material together too. Well, uh, you know, and that question that I just asked about touring leads me to another question. And so this is something that we've kind of started doing on the show. Uh, I told Bobby that we had a lot of uh, artists over to the house a few weeks ago. And uh, sitting around the dining room table, they started telling road stories. And as they started telling their experiences on the road, it was like hilarious. And so I thought, well, we just need to add that to the radio show. So give us a road story, Randy. Tell us tell us a road story. Well, let me think what something I could say on the radio. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we've had that problem before. Yeah, I can't tell that you, one. But. You, you know, I but I, but, I, but it just hit me when when I this was probably like eighteen or nineteen of one of the first times I took off uh, just to find places to play on the road. Okay. Uh, and as a very novice at this, and my friend Mike Borger and I went together, and we we drove all over the western, the from Amarillo all the way up to the Canadian border back. Uh, oh and, wow! And our and our goal was to find places that would that at least fill up our tank of gas or give us uh, a meal. I mean that's a that we had very right, low expectations right. and uh and we were, we were doing all original music and so that you know we weren't doing covers and that sort of thing so I remember uh, we played for a week in Cripple Creek Colorado from from seven in the morning to seven at night for a hotel room meals and gas to leave on uh, <laughs> we played we played in we we stumbled into a little roadhouse outside of Walsenburg, Colorado, and uh, and and they asked us to sit in with the band. And the band all had on red red clothes, white belts, white cowboy boots, and white hats. And, uh, <laughs> and we looked, and we looked like we'd been out on the trail for I mean backpacking for for about two weeks. And so and uh, I do remember that looking at Mike and him looking at me, and we were like going. We made it. <laughs> we're, we're, with a, we're with a real band, you know. And, uh, but uh, okay. but uh, those those road shows. I mean, I've played everything from uh, uh, hockey talks to, to to with with the barbed wire. Uh, yeah, I started to ask about band. that. Yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. Started to ask yeah. About I've that. had a, I've had I've had those experiences, and and then I've I've got to play some wonderful. Uh, 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 venues, uh, the Calumet Theater in uh, Calumet, Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, this beautiful 150-year-old uh, grand theater. It was a great place to play. 
and uh, uh, the, I've had lots of really fun experiences. Well, I, I'm sure you have, and uh, and it's a lot of fun to talk to people and talk about their touring or. You know, I've done the same thing with people that have been on Saddle Up America when they've ridden across the country. So tell us uh-huh. about the most unusual characters you've met or the most unusual places you've stayed. And it's always, always a lot of fun to find out about the relationships that you build up, yeah. either touring or yeah. on the trail or, or what it is. You know, I maintain that 90% of, of music is relationships. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's and the rest of it's math, and uh, so that's that's kind of my philosophy of that. Well, there is a song that is very touching and uh, very special, and uh, tell us the story about sixty years of love. Well, you're talking to a guy that's probably one of those lucky people in life that was born into a family that just really loved each other. Uh, mom and dad that, that, uh, that just sort of, uh, my mom passed a couple of years ago, but, and my dad is, is still my best friend, but just, uh, I, I was so blessed as, to be, to be born into, into the, the family of, of Lewis and Bertie Palmer. And so a few years in the past, my mom was ill and she was in a hospital, and I got to go to school on how to care for 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 somebody you love in a hard situation by watching my dad and uh and that's where the idea for this song came from well, it's a beautiful song, and uh we're talking with Randy Palmer today. It's sixty years of love. We'll be right back. Mama's resting on the bed Her body's weak and my daddy's scared Been touch and go all through the night So he reaches out Takes her hand and says God please, could you understand Sixty years of love not enough And he sees her as his bride Young and beautiful Standing by his side Through all the years They've been through Through the good, the bad Living through 60 years of love is not enough. They were teenage kids that broke the rules and got married young in high school when they eloped to Tucumcari, New Mexico. So he worked two jobs. Made ends meet, she finished high school with a baby. And 60 years have come, and they've gone. 
So my brother and I step off to the side Daddy looks deep into Mama's eyes And she says everything will be good So he counts his blessings one by one And he says we have not yet begun Sixty years of love is not enough And he sees her as his bride Young and beautiful Standing by his side And he sees her as his bride Young and beautiful Standing by his side And after all these years They've been through Through the good, the bad They're living proof That sixty years of love not enough So he counts his blessings One by one And he says we Have not yet begun Sixty years of love Sixty years of love Sixty years of love Is not enough Sixty years of love is not enough. I'm as moved by that song as I hear it today <clears throat> as when I heard you, Randy, play it um, at Swarfa at, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, you and your guitar in a small room, um, just, you know, just to a small group. And I had not met you yet. I had not heard your music yet. And that song... Um, you you if you if you know love if you've been blessed by love uh with a long-term partner with a spouse with um parents you just wrapped up in that song um and i rem- i i vividly remember we really nearly weeping and knowing that i needed to know you <laughs> um but enough about me. Um, one of the things that's so wonderful about both of your albums, and we had the pleasure of meeting this gentleman and his wife, Sarah Pierce, at the IWMA, yes. is uh, Meryl Briganti, and he's been very involved yeah. in both of your albums. It's his birthday today. If he's listening, that's happy right. birthday. Um, yeah. And, you know, as our listeners listen to these beautifully um uh produce songs um please know that if you have the op- opportunity to see Randy just one on one with his guitar somewhere you want to do that um but Meryl has certainly uh worked with you to just um bring them yeah. fully blown talk a little bit about that relationship and working with it's, him I love Merle Bagante 
he he has blessed me in so many ways. Uh, we we met through a, a mutual friend, and I was looking for the possibility of maybe doing a project. And this was like back in 2013. And uh, when when we met, we immediately hit it off. And uh, uh, he has he has I I sounded a lot different before I met Merle because he has helped me craft uh, delivery and also capture uh, some emotion to songs that I didn't even know was there. He's, wow. he's, an, he's, he's so good at drawing you out. And what of, part of his process is before you begin a project, you spend a lot of time in pre-production. You don't, you don't just rush in there and start cutting tracks. You, you sit down and you discuss what's this song mean and how, how, when, when you sing this song, what are you hoping that people feel on this? He asked questions that, that uh, I had never asked before in my music uh, when I uh, began uh, to work with Merle. And it, it has given me so much uh, enjoyment to be with him and, uh, and to see. I mean, this real, these albums really ought to be called uh, uh, an album by Randy Palmer and Merle Bagante. <laughs> wow! Because he, he is so he is so involved and so uh, and he and there's been a lot of times he said you know you just don't have this song needs a bridge or this song needs a different verse or something so you go back to your little place and you write one and come back and we'll talk about it and uh, wow. we've done that we've done that on numerous occasions and uh, he's mm-hmm. he's just mm-hmm. he's just I can't say enough good about the man. <laughs> and, uh, and his wife Sarah Pierce too. Uh, There's a couple. They have really enriched my life. And happy mm-hmm. birthday, Merle! <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy birthday, happy birthday. Yeah. Well, I know that I'm seeing his name now. I, you know, I do pay attention to credits as a as a DJ with a, another show. I'm always really li- looking at everything. I do appreciate CDs still because they always have all that information. Um, and, of course, I know he's just uh, worked with Joel White. I know he's working with Jim Jones, and I know he has a very long history. I go back and pick up albums now and go like, oh, oh, yeah. oh I know him. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and, and he is probably one of the most recorded drummers in, in America, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, as an instrumentalist, too. I mean, he has played on on just bukus of, of albums and hits over the years. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get uh, Merle together uh, as the barefoot drummer with our barefoot mm-hmm. fiddler with... here in Nashville. So yes, that right. that'd be kind of a, that'd be kind of a hoot. That'd be kind of a hoot. But anyway, uh, you know, you just were talking about CDs, and I know Bobby, you love CDs, and um, I know. Uh, you know, I, I just assume people send me music in a Dropbox or something, so they could do that. But, you know, I was kind of thinking the other day. Um, uh, the Gone with the West Girls just came out, and they had a postcard size mm-hmm. thing that had their photograph on it and some information on it, and then on the mm-hmm. back of it was a uh, QR code that you could mm-hmm. scan and download music. And you know, we're looking at different ways that music is delivered today. I mean, it used to be forty uh, fives. 
and then albums, and then eight tracks, and then cassettes, and now CDs. And I'm getting people that are sending me thumb drives now with music yeah. on it. Uh, I kind of like the postcard thing because, Bobby, you can actually put the liner notes on that postcard deal and yeah, a QR can, code. You can and, include all your metadata. in the Yeah, you can, you can do that. And then uh, we're getting a little technical now, but, uh, you know, the last CD that was sent this past week, it, it cost them $3.92. Yeah to send me that CD. And if you send out a hundred of those, that's $400 yeah. that you spent. Wouldn't cost you nearly as much to send out a postcard, you know? And, you know, and, and different promoters feel differently about all that. I mean, you know, I, the particular guy I used on the last album, you know, he, he wanted CDs because he said that he had a large number of DJs that only took CDs. You know, mm-hmm. and so we mm-hmm. printed we printed CDs, but but you know, I, and I still have them for sale at my shows, but they don't sell, they just don't sell as much as uh, downloads or or uh, uh, down or we do downloads and we also do streaming, and uh, right we we share music a lot more that way than we do with CDs. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And we were talking, Bobby, was it you I was talking with that we were talking about the fact that. Uh, uh, albums are now outselling CDs. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. that you I had yeah. a conversation mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. You know, you albums are out there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't have a CD player in the house. I don't have a radio in the house. I have Alexa in the house. And uh-huh. uh, and I and when I got my last computer, there is no place to download a CD on it, so I had to buy a different attachment for it. So, you know, I yeah. think right. as yeah. artists are putting yeah. things out, you know, we have to look at different ways, new ways to start delivering product. And, uh, you know, CDs cost, shipping cost, and, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of a solution to be able to do that. But, you know, you know just, that's more. And CDs, CDs take up a lot of room that a download takes up nothing, you know. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, or a QR code. I mean, I mean, you can deliver your product much more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's just kind of fun to talk about that because things continually change. I mean, you know, television has changed. uh, Radio has changed. Much more online radio today. Uh, That's the way you hear it around the world. I mean, we can do this show and it's heard around the world. And if it's a radio station in uh, Podunk, Tennessee, they're only going to hear it within a certain radius. Yes. And uh, so now today they can hear Equestrian Legacy Radio in Australia and Germany and you know all around the world. But and they can hear they can hear Randy Palmer all around the world today <laughs> just by tuning in. So <laughs> things change. It's it's kind of an interesting deal. So if I weren't so tired today, Bobby, I probably wouldn't have gone off on that tangent, but I did. But it's all right. <laughs> We'll talk about that at the DJ roundtable or whatever we have in Albuquerque. <laughs> but anyway, let's listen to Deeper Water. This is the title cut from the album. Tell us about Deeper Water, Randy. Well, where I'm at is, is in Eagle Nest, New Mexico. And in 1968, my mom and dad decided to build a cabin in the mountains. And uh, absolutely the best summer of my life. I was 13. 
and uh, we we had a good friend. His name was M. B. Allen, and he uh, helped us get our cabin off, you know, up to close to closed in. Uh, and he was a retired uh, general contractor, and uh, but he was also he's a character from the word go. He took me every so often we were working on the cabin. He would say, "Put your nail belt down, you know, grab your grab your rod. We're going to the lake, and you and I are going to fish." And uh, so I, I spent a lot of time with MB uh, throughout that summer of 1968, and he taught me a lot of things. And uh, uh, and this uh, this song is really about fishing with MB Allen. Well, let's take a listen. It's called Deeper Water. It's the title cut from the album by the same name by Randy Palmer. We'll be right back. Straight up, 6 a.m., Mountain Standard Time. We were idling at the gate. We were first in the line. I was 13 years old. He was shouting stories about the ones that got away and the ones that are bound for glory. Old Bill Gallagher had a knowing smile when he opened up that gate. He said, three bucks for that kid, six bucks cause you shame. I see you got a new fishing buddy, I hope you teach him right. It'd be grand, said, hey Bill, we're having fish tonight. That cast your line into Man, you got to take a chance 
road I'm still coming back Got my grandson at my side And we're bouncing down this track To a secret code Sacred shore I know what I'll say About the ones that are bound for glory And the ones that get away much fun to visit with on the Campfire Cafe today. We're going to have to this have you back. This has been a pleasure. I, yeah, I, I would old. love to be back. I would love to yeah. be back. I'd like, I've, I've got new music that I'll be springing this sometime this year. You know, and well, I started to, to say, yeah, let us know. We'd love to have you back on here. And uh, Bobby, thank you to you and Jim Jones for inviting these guys to the Western music world. Yes. Oh, we're so delighted. And Randy, you're you're going to be there again this year? Are you joining us this year? Oh yes. 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 Okay. Good. Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Uh, good. It's like be, a potato chip. You can't you can't eat just once. So once you do it, you <laughs> got to right. go back. That's right. You <laughs> know, and, and, and I'm looking. So uh, last year we went to the Western Music Association, and I, I I didn't know exactly what I was getting into, so I had some gigs around that. So I left a little early uh, to right. do that. But this year, I'm going to be there for everything. Uh, okay, that's, that's, that's a great that's place good. to be. Well, well and we'll great be great to have you um, with us. Yeah. Great to have you with us. We need to find out how people can find your music and follow where you're going to be next. So give us your website and the information that we need to be able to do that. Well, the the website is randypalmermusic.com. And people can always reach me. I mean, there, there's a link there for email or, or or they can always reach me through that site. And uh, there's both albums are available on the site and, uh, and got uh, a lot of pictures and just verbiage about things that have gone on over the last year. All right. So if you've enjoyed listening to the show, but you haven't known what Randy looks like, go look at a picture. And, uh, <laughs> that, that, that'll, that'll change everything. That'll do it. That'll do it, Randy. <laughs> but anyway, you have been so much fun to have on the show, and we look forward to having you back. We're going to well, close out this guys. segment. Had a great time. You're so welcome. You are so welcome. So we're going to close this out with uh, Live Life Fully. It's Randy Palmer. And, uh, Randy, look forward to having you back with us again soon. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure if I know where the wind comes from or the falling snow. But I know that look. In your eyes 
Kristen Harris called Cows Around, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Everything is better with some cows around. Living in town sometimes brings me down. Let me bestow this western blessing, share what gonna spend that extra money on what else is gonna get you up hours before dawn what else is gonna keep you toiling on and on and on may you always have cows around come on you know you got too much time on your hands not nearly enough complications in your plans you need to invite all of the frustration that you can 
but it's really an interesting mix of stuff. And the proposals are exciting because the Park Service is thinking big and they're looking at ways to include more trail uses or at least, you know, uh, expand on their trail use opportunities too. So, I mean, this is a great opportunity for anyone to engage online or in person at the public meetings that are coming up uh, near the park uh, to kind of weigh in and say, here's what I would love. Here's the trails I currently love. Here's what I'd like to see, places we could go with our horses. This is the time to do it, and I could certainly – you know, give folks information on how to do a quick Google search, find where they can put their input uh, and engage, because this is the time I think the public comment period closes on August 25th. So we've got about 22 22 days here, three weeks uh, for people to to weigh in and and get excited about trail riding opportunities at Mammoth Cave. Well, it's a beautiful area uh, and part of the country. And, uh, Bobby, I can remember when I was a little guy, probably five, six years old, my parents took me to Mammoth Cave National Park, and we went through the cave, and it's unbelievable. And uh, and my mama's got a picture somewhere of me in my shorts with this little cap on top of my head that says Mammoth Cave <laughs> National Park on it. So that one's, that one's kind of close and near and dear to us, so... Where would we go to find out the uh, the, the way to to uh, make our thoughts known on that? Well, I think the easiest way, because the government has got these weighty, uh, you know, URLs on their website, but someone could just mm-hmm. do a Google search for uh, Land and River Trail Plan Mammoth Cave National Park. Um, okay, because okay. I did a Google and I got a great website, but nothing. Um, okay, so say that again. I would just Google Land and River Trail Plan Mammoth Cave okay. National Park. Okay. Okay. And if you get the right hits, you'll get a government page that says Park Planning NPS.gov, and then a long string after that. But mm-hmm. that'll get you to the page it describes. They're starting to develop this new plan. It's a multi-year effort. And then there's different links on the left, including open for comments. And what's really interesting about yes. this is the Park Service um, has developed a, a really interactive page with maps and cool stuff that you can see, both what's happening now, existing conditions, and what the future could hold in terms of new trails some trail realignments and even some trail closures, but fortunately very few. Um, and it's oh, there's more great. opportunities than, than there are. So, yeah, this is, I guess, and the Park Service is asking five basic questions. Basically, what do you love about the park, about its trails, and where would you like to be able to go? That's kind of the gist of what they're asking. It's really open-ended, and they want to use the map here, a story map they call it. And you can really tie your comments to specific places if you know the park well. Or you can, you know, if you don't know the park well, you can still say, I want to maximize my riding opportunities. There's a great, you know, uh, we want to be able to be on as many trails as possible. We, we probably don't want to mix with bicycles or things like that, fast-moving things. But, you know, those kinds of general comments are also welcome, too. But they're asking some specific things there, looking at the story map. And once you go through that, you realize there are a lot of great opportunities. And the Park Services seems to be very sincere about their attempt to expand, you know, hiking, biking, 
in horseback riding uh, on those uh, backcountry trails in the park. All right, all right. Well, yeah, if, uh, if you're in the area, the you'll want to do that. Yeah, people in Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, all these areas that are surrounding Missouri, uh, jump in on that. Go ahead, Bobby. I just followed Randy's um, simple directions and got right to where he's saying. And the topic, uh, the questions are are very interesting and exactly what he just shared. Um, but I think that's just, you know, how wonderful that they're asking for the community and the users, potential users to weigh in, Randy. That's That seems like not the way we normally do things in government. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm encouraged. And, yeah. And I had the good fortune. It, it's, well, it's true, but I had the good fortune to meet with the superintendent and their staff all oh, in 2019 when they were even talking about we're going to be doing a trails plan. And they were really open and excited about these opportunities. So I think the public has a real, you know, this is a sincere effort. I think the public needs to weigh in. And even if you don't live in the area, if you have ideas of being in, you know, that, that, that region, you know, that part of the state and want to do horseback riding, you know, you know, there, there are several private concessions that are right on the edges of the park there that you can rent horses or go on guided, guided rides and whatnot. So there's opportunities. So anyone should, that has an interest in backcountry of Mammoth, you know, Cave National Park can submit comments and that's going to be helpful for the park planning team. Um, as they move ahead in this process to shape something that is really public supported. And I have, I have, I really feel good about where this is headed. Well, that's mm-hmm. great. That and, is great. <clears throat> you started the, to say uh, something, comment time, Well, the, the comment time does end August 25th, 2023. You've got 22 days, 11 hours and 43 minutes to register your <laughs> comments. <laughs> So wait about another hour before you go online and do that, okay? <laughs> that, that way the show will be over with. But, uh, uh, yeah. uh, and, and then the other area that you were talking about was the Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina, and that's a new proposal for trail use fees. And what's the difference, Randy, between the National Park and the National Forest Service? A couple things. The National Park Service is under our U.S. Department of Interior, and the U.S. Forest Service, for reasons that somewhat make sense, is under the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Okay. Um, and so, so we know of our national parks and our national monuments and battlefields and et cetera. Uh, the national forests are different and, and managed differently for different reasons. And I guess the other difference is, you know, in general – National forests and, and other public lands are, are managed for multiple uses, right? Commodity, extraction, recreation, water, you know, all kinds of things, wildlife. Whereas the national parks have a pretty – Congress has pretty much said you're largely there to protect and preserve these things for present and future generations. There's not a multiple-use mandate or you don't see much extractive industry or, you know, commercial enterprises other than gotcha. you know, things related to visitation in your national park. So those are the kind of the major differences. Um, but the beauty is both are open to public use and, you know, our taxes pay for most of it, not all of it. Um, but it's, you know, it's there. It's, 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 you know, America's greatest idea to have public lands in, in my opinion and others 
to be able to go out there, strike out into the backcountry, front country, wilderness, or whatever you like, um, you know, because these lands are ours to use. Yeah, yeah. But it's always interesting to me to be able to separate the different uh, uh, services, like the Park Service or the Forest Service or the BLM, and uh, kind of say, okay, this is what they do, and this is what they do, and this is what they do. So, But anyway, uh, talk to us about the Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina and their proposal for trail use fees. So what's what's going on there? Well, I mean, the Pisgah in North Carolina is one of the most largest in terms of recreational use. There's so many communities, you know, and of course this, this affects folks that are North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and in Tennessee too, because it's that yeah. part of the Pisgah yeah. where they're proposing this proposal is, is right there. So multiple states probably and, and people from, you know, hundreds of miles in each direction recreate on the Pisgah National Forest. And it, it's a pr- premier national forest because it has lots of trail opportunities. So what they're doing right now is uh, they're looking at fees, recreational fees. You know, how I mentioned just a few minutes ago that our taxes pay for most of what these federal agencies do. It's not always the case, though. And so in this case, and we've seen other places, other national forests, certainly we know in national parks, we pay a fee when we go to the gate, right, and and line up in our cars or whatever. And, you know, that's just kind of an expectation in national parks. Not so much national forests. It depends where you are in the country. But many national forests charge fees for different things because, unfortunately, Congress has not funded them well enough over the years to make them self-sustaining or to provide the recreational amenities we want, right? We want big parking for our trailers and our animals. We want trailheads and vault toilets and, and water at the campsites. Those aren't always things that, you know, Congress underwrites, so they charge fees. So what, you know, what's interesting about what's happening on the Pisgah National Forest right now is they're looking at fees that are only for trail use, but they only would apply to equestrians and mountain bikers. Really? And that brings up a question of equity, right? Yeah, I can tell by your surprised tone. It's like, well, wait, what about people on foot that hike or yeah. hunt or fish yeah. or do other things, trail run, you name it? Uh, they're right now being told, you don't have to pay the fees. We're just going to ask the equestrians and, and bikers to do it because they're a special use and they, they exert more of an impact on the resource. And I would question that premise. I would say there's a lot more people on foot than there are on horseback or on bikes in a lot of these trails. And it's more the volume of people, the volume of traffic that exerts an impact on the trail, like soils and vegetation and all that, than it is necessarily the use, whether it's hike, horse, or bike. So don't know if that's equitable, and that's something the Forest Service wants to hear from the public, you know, is this okay with you guys, or is this something that we're, we're, there's a missed opportunity. So it's also a question of whether you personally think you're okay paying fees to do trail riding on a national forest. Some people say, you know, oh, I pay my taxes, they should take care of it, you know, but I'm more of the mind these days of, you know, I'm okay paying a few bucks. Uh, In this case, it'd be a $5 per day use fee, or you can get a annual pass for 30 bucks is what the Pisgah National Forest is proposing for hike, I'm sorry, questions and mountain bikers. That's just the proposal. They're getting public feedback right now. Um, And so these are brand new fees that they're proposing. 
for Brand new a, a subset of trails. Yeah, there, there currently is uh, some trails where there's fees already in place um, on that forest. Okay. So that's happening, but in very select places, off-road vehicle trails. Uh, there's one equestrian trail system that they're charging a couple bucks. I think it's two bucks uh, per rider okay. per day on the, the Sally Mountain Bike and Horse Trail system. Um, so I don't know. I, I asked you and Bobby, you know, after all the money we put into our rigs, our animals, our, our, our tack and, and everything we do and the gas, the diesel that we put into our, our vehicles when we get to the trailhead, is paying five bucks at the trailhead something that's offensive to us or can we, can we live with that knowing the beauty of this is the way the laws are set up, 95% of that money has to be spent right there on those very trails that you're paying for, for their upkeep and maintenance and other things. So is that acceptable? You know, that, that's an open question. You know, I wouldn't have a problem paying the fee, but I think it should be equitable. So if they're going to charge a fee, I think that should be uh, be equitable to the people that are hiking and everything yeah. else. That yeah, would be my response Bobby, to that. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, on the. I'm actually um, on the page. I didn't know how to spell Pisca, um How to spell the name? <laughs> it's P I S G A H. I never would have gotten that. But anyway, it is interesting. Um, uh, the new fee is five dollar a rider fee or thirty dollar annual pass. Um, but you would have to do that. It looks like for each one of the forests in North Carolina that are covered, sort of by this. And it is only mountain bike and equestrian users aged 16 and older. Uh, annual passes would be honored at all mountain bike or horse trail systems under this proposal. But I think that uh, everybody that's using the trails uh, it makes sense to me that we everybody should should pay to help keep yeah. them whatever however they're yeah. using that money to keep the you know keep them open and then you've got all your members that country horseman members who come out and actually work these trails they should they shouldn't have to pay anything they should be as members they should be able to flash their card it says you know i volunteer with that country horseman and then they would say oh you get in free <laughs> good point good point good point i like that I that's like really that. a good point bobby and and we do have that arrangement in some places where if they put in over, I don't know, it is 40 hours, 80 hours, 100 hours, yeah. they get a free pass, yeah. you know, for the for that yeah. year or whatever, or the next preceding years or, or whatever. <laughs> um, yes, that, that, again, that's equitable, right? You're putting your blood, sweat, and tears in the animal, right. you know, out there all the time. Uh, then you get in charge of fee on top of the, to take care of the, to, to ride the trails that you're maintaining. So I'm, I'm with you with that one, too. Yeah, that's good points. Good points. But yeah, so is there the same way to respond to have input on that? How do you how do you have your input on that? There's yeah, a comment section. No. Okay. There I, is. I think, so yeah, Pisca is yeah. If if folks are interested, it's it's spelled P I S G A H. Yeah. <laughs> Pisca National Forest and you can just Google Pisca National Forest. 2003 fee proposal. Okay. And, and, and again, you have August, August 22nd. Yeah. And you have till August 22nd. Mm-hmm. August 22nd on that one? Yes. August 22nd. But they're not giving us an hour and minute countdown on it. Well, okay. maybe if right. I got to the actual comment section, it would tell me that. All right. So the other was August the 25th, and this is August the 22nd, right? 
So two uh, different dates. Twenty twenty third. Twenty third. Yes, you are correct. Twenty okay. third. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, all right. So right now we're going to take a quick break and um, and listen to another great song, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about the American Horse Council. And this is a song by Mr. Randy Houston, a good friend of ours, called Cowboy Card. We'll be back in just a moment to talk more with Mr. Randy Rasmussen. And he's having us think today about things on Backcountry Horsemen of America, the segment on the show. We'll be right back. I was wanting to be a cowboy, so I studied those cowboy songs. In no time I was qualified to make little doggies get along. Got a hat, got some boots, growing hair on my upper lip. What really makes my outfit pop is the pistol on my hip. I'm learning all the lingo, of course on cowboy talk. Put a rock in my boot so I would limp, now I can walk the walk. I got jingle balls and a wild, wild rag and some big boy underwear. Studied up on raisin fruit in case I had to grow a pair. I say by your outfit that you are a cowboy, yippee coyote lady who. Card. I can hardly wait saddle old paint and punch some cows around. Push them here, push them there, push them up and I push them down. I'd buy a pair of woolly shafts if you know someone who has them. And a dictionary that translates cowboy sarcasm. I say by your outfit that you are a cowboy, yippee coyote lady who in yourself an outfit. You can be a cowboy too. The punchers and the buckaroos soon be a calling me. Have you got your cowboy card yet? 
yeah, yeah. It, takes, it takes a lot to get it, it sounds like. Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're going to have to check into that, Bobby. Maybe we can check with Randy Houston and find out about our yeah. cowboy card or something. But I know. Anyway. I, I haven't got No, I don't have one. I'm all hat and no cattle. I, I don't uh, gosh, that's so funny. That is so funny. Well, so let's talk a little bit, Randy, about the American Horse Council's economic study that you say is still underway. But is that on the horse industry as a whole, as far as the economic impact on the country? Yes, and it also extends to you, me, and anyone who owns horses privately. Uh, or that trail rides or uses them for whatever recreational purpose. So this is a great opportunity for making our horses count in the data that's currently being collected by the American Horse Council because they have on their website, they have a questionnaire and the data we can feed into it about all of our expenditures and we know what those are, right? And how many categories there are of expenditures um, that we can actually, and your listeners can go right now, and, and add information. So all the way through September 29th is the deadline for getting our information. And I'd encourage your listeners to do just that. Um, we want to count for something. We want to count for both the industry portion of what American Horse Council does um, and then the private folks like ourselves and the backcountry horsemen volunteers um, that use their animals. So I'll start with uh, a website. And we can talk more about specifically what they're after, but this is a 2023 economic impact study. And if you go to um, horsecouncil.org, so council being C-O-U-N-C-I-L, horsecouncil.org, you see on the menu at the top there's, there's economic impact study, and you click on that, I know Bobby's following. She's not already ahead of us here. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, it's, it's, it's coming up. It's coming up. Okay, where, what am I doing now? I'm clicking okay, on so you, where? If you're on the horsecouncil.org website, yep. up on the bar, yep. the gray bar, it's gray on my screen, economic impact study, uh, kind of upper Got right it. there. Mm-hmm. That gets you to a page that has the horse owner survey and the horse industry supplier survey. Of course, I'm talking more, largely about your membership, but I'm sure there's pe- plenty of people in your membership or uh, listening ship that uh, are in the horse industry side of things. But for the horse right. owners, you click that survey, and that leads you to a page. Uh, Innovation Group is helping them out, and they're telling you, you know, it takes about 30 minutes. You know, we want to capture all your expenditures, and you just kind of go through and click yes, no, and put in your dollar stuff, you know, all the kinds of things that they ask about because they want huh. to get an idea, you know, by state and by area, um, you know, what are the true costs we're hearing? And they'll find some way to, you know, average these things over uh, the different places they're looking at in terms of geography and whatnot. But it's really helpful for American Horse Council to get this data directly from us as horse owners so they can start to truth some of this stuff because the beauty about all this, okay, so we got an economic study. What does that mean? We put our data in. This is important because this is going to be one of the biggest studies American Horse Council has done for decades. Um, and the really, it's, we call it a census or an economic study. We're really trying to quantify or demonstrate the value of the equine industry as a whole 
at the national level and, and with state economies by looking at, you know, all these direct and indirect costs and et cetera, of course, ownership, our part, the recreation side of things, and equine-related services. And what that does is, you know, American Horse Councils are a lobbying arm in Washington, D.C. They represent the entire horse industry from racing to breed associations to small groups like the Backcountry Horsemen of America. Um, and they can use the horse power, the numbers behind that, because we found time and time again both from their previous studies and those by the governments that, you know, there's a ton of horsepower in the economy that in some cases outweighs that of, I hate to say it, you know, mountain biking or things like that. Uh, it's the recreational use of horses is, is much higher in terms of the dollars spent in the economy and the jobs generated and all these things. And of course, those kind of figures talk to members of Congress or local, you know, chamber of commerce folks or, you know, other f officials where we want to make a request that don't close these trails over here or add more trails over here, you know, we can use that information to get support from elected officials to say, by golly, and it's good for the economy, we got to do it. So there's a lot of reasons, but that's how BCHA views it and the benefits that we found both in the past and where we hope to see this go in the future of leveraging that horsepower for the, for the, the economic side of things. Uh, to continue to keep trails open for everybody. Well, it's a big difference because it costs a whole lot more to feed a horse than it does a mountain bike. I'm going to tell you right now. So. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, and a, and a whole lot more to haul a horse in than it does a mountain bike or any of the other uh, <laughs> things as well. So go ahead, Bobby. I was just going to say, um, Randy, this is a very important website for anybody that is um, involved in anything equestrian. I wasn't familiar with the American Horse Council, <coughs> excuse me, and um, I'm just bopping around, and there's all kinds of fabulous information here and um, press releases, and you can really find out what's happening in Washington, D.C., and just actually really interesting um, horsecouncil.org, simple to find. Well, and I think I it's important to mention that, uh, you know, depending upon your particular state, become a member of your state horse council as well, uh, as well as the American Horse Council. I know that uh, we're members of the American Horse Council. So it's important to do that, but it's important to, to complete these surveys. And, and, you know, the government sends out a survey as well that you're required to fill out and get back talk about the number of animals that you have the number of acres you have and how it's been used so all those things are kind of important to help determine uh how things are addressed whether it be on the trails or or any other avenue out there today so important stuff important stuff well, maybe that's the theme here, Gary, for today's, you know, Saddle Up America with, with Backcountry Horsemen of America is that, you know, people can speak out and have their voices heard if they're horse owners or users, especially trail users, by engaging in the economic study for American Horse Council, contacting the Mammoth Cave National Park about their trails plan and what they want to see, you know, trail use expanded there, um, and engaging with the Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina about their fees and how they're used and, and, you know, how that might be at most equitable if they go with a fee uh, program for trail use. That's, that's something that all that empowers our membership and, and allows us to, you know, leverage the voice of, you know, equestrians, if you will, or backcountry horsemen and women 
um, to make sure we're heard time and time again and we're right in front of you know, center in front of those discussions where they're saying, well, what do the horsemen think? What do the horsemen think? And I think we're in a good spot these days with those agencies. Well, that's great. Well, I appreciate so much the work that Backcountry Horsemen of America does to help keep these trails open. And uh, again, maybe we don't encourage people enough, but if you are not a member of Backcountry Horsemen of America, let me encourage you to visit their website, bcha.org, and find out where there is a local chapter uh, close to you and become involved. And uh, if you if you enjoy the trails, and we've, we've talked about this just recently, 97% of the people out there are trail riders. They're not in the show ring. And so that's where most of the horses are, and that's where so much money is being spent. And it's important for you to make your voices heard so that we can continue to keep trails open for trail use, not only for trail riders, but other areas uh, of interest as well. Always good to have you on the show, Randy. Now you've, you've always, got us thinking. A pleasure. You've got us thinking again today, so now we have to think about all this stuff. Got to go and come in on the Mammoth Cave deal and the Pisgah deal and the American Horse Council survey so now i'll be busy for the next couple of hours staying busy with this but well, i think y'all do your best thinking on horseback don't you maybe it's time to get out on a trail i'm telling you what <laughs> that sounds like a good idea to me sounds like a good idea to me but anyway brandy look forward to having you back next month and uh yes yeah, some great information that we always share with backcountry horsemen america's here so thanks, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Gary and Bobby. You take care. Thanks. All right. All right. We're going to listen to a great song by Mr. Andy Hedges and Tom Russell. And, uh, Randy, this is an interesting song title. This one is called Root Hog or Die. And so we'll take a listen to that and be back in just a moment on Saddle of America. Thanks, Randy. Circle range where the grass grows green. The cattle are wild and the broncos they are mean. The calves all get bigger as the days go by. Gotta keep a rimming, boys. It's root hog or die. If you ride them out of horses, you gotta keep them shy. If you can't shoe them standing. Then lay them on the sod You can tack the iron to them If you've got a mind to try Better get busy boys It's root hog or die Well out here in camp Let me tell you what we eat Little cold bread And a little piece of meat Little bit of coffee Whiskey on the fly then ride around the cattle boys, it's root hog or die. In the morning after breakfast, just about daylight, 
Throw your saddle on a horse and pull your cinches tight Your bronco may jump crooked or he may jump high We all got to ride him, boys, it's rude hog or die Trail's rough and rocky, but we gotta make the drive. You start a bunch of cattle, boys, you better come alive. If you ever get a maverick, better catch him on the fly. Better take to him, boys, it's rude hog or die. When the long day is over, you'll be glad to see the chief. With a pot of black coffee and another full of beef. Sourdough biscuits do take the place of pie When he hollers, come and get it, boys It's rude hog or die Middle of the night Sometimes awful hard Blankets when you're called on guard You pass the weary moments All the stars are in the sky Humming to the cattle boys It's rude hog or die Sometimes dreadful stormy Sometimes pretty clear You might work a month boys Or you might work a year You can make a winning if you'll come alive and try For the whole world over, boys, it's rude hog or die But you can make a winning if you'll come alive and try For the whole world over, boys, it's rude hog or die Andy Hedges, Tom Russell, Root Hargadai, and uh, Andy's going to be in Nashville at the Grand Ole Opry, I believe, next week, and bringing with him is Bridget Reedy, so that's going to be a great event. So mm, how exciting good to have them. good uh, good to have some of our Western folks showing up uh, at the Grand Ole Opry, kind of putting the Western back in the country. You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Miss Phoebe, Miss Phoebe White was on last night with the Riders in the Sky, and Ranger Doug yeah, said she like, was yeah. just awesome. I would like to have just been awesome there. I would like to have been there. What a moment <laughs> for her. <laughs> she is one of the sweetest, unaffected people by all of this attention that she's been getting this past year, and uh, uh, we look forward to seeing Phoebe again really, really soon. But anyway, it's been a good show today. I mean, it's been great to visit with Randy Palmer and um, and great information that, that Randy Rasmussen, I hadn't realized we had both Randys today. They just didn't. Yeah. We, <laughs> it's been the Randy show. What was it that Randy Palmer said that he and the other Randy do? What's, what's the yeah, show that, that they do? Yeah, that was so funny. What they called themselves, uh, not the double Randys. What did, I don't remember what they called themselves. Uh, we we'll have to go back and listen to the show to see what it was. Yeah. But yeah, so we had two Randys on the show today. So, well, it's been it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, one of the cool things is is that I think Western music is really starting to find its place um, 
in all kinds of in all kinds of music. And I was listening to uh, that song with Andy and Tom just then. And you know, mm-hmm. Western music re- really is the folk music of America today. If you listen to that song, it really yes, is the folk is. music of America today, just with a more of a Western Western theme to the words, the lyrics that are in there. But anyway, so what have you got going on today, Miss Bobby? Well, speaking of Westerns, tonight on Rendezvous with a Writer, our guest is actually joining us from Germany. It'll be Friday morning, 3 a.m. her time. <laughs> we'll, we'll be live 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time tonight on L.A. Talk Radio's Facebook uh, page. We have Manuela Schneider joining us, and we'll be talking about her book, Arma del Diablo, The Cult of Destiny. If you've ever wondered about Johnny Ringo's uh, firearm or um, you've had ideas about the firearm and a connection to the devil, Manuela weaves a story that is page-turning and you just can't put down. It's a really, really great book. She's an um, award-winning writer. She has uh, co-written with Carol Markstrom, and they won some awards. She has co-written recently with Jim Jones. She's had a number of film film festival awards. She's a multi-talented woman, and we're very excited about having her tonight. And then let's see, Out West Hour this Saturday will be doing a review of the newest IWMA music on the charts. Um, that'll be um, this Saturday. And then, you know, we just keep rolling. Um, we just, we just keep rolling forward. <laughs> oh gosh. You know, it's yeah. kind of a, it's kind of a interesting thing to me, Bobby, because right now we're seeing more and more independent Western films being produced. And mm-hmm. uh, and more more large albums that are coming out. You know, we were talking about albums and how they're being done today. But uh, Oren Friesen called me the other day, and so they have a project in the works uh, all about the songs of Don Edwards. And he started oh. going through the list of the performers that are going to be on this oh, album. And it was just Wonderful. like unreal. Yeah, I was talking to Rex Allen last Rex Allen Jr. last night. He said, "Yeah, I'm going to be on that album." And I know Michael Martin Murphy and R.W. Hampton and so many people that are going to be taking part in that Wonderful. process. But it's all a tribute and music that's never been heard before by Don Edwards. So that should be coming out. I think he told me next year. And I said, Fantastic. "Well, my friend." Let me know. <laughs> we'll have you on to talk about it. So anyway, uh, it's going to be pretty yeah. pretty cool deal. But anyway, it's been a great show today. We appreciate everyone listening to the uh, Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America on Thursdays. We remind you that Live from Nashville airs every Saturday beginning at noon Central Standard Time. All the shows are able to be heard on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, there are two or three others that I don't even know where they're getting our shows, but they're listening to the shows there as well. And all you have to do is search for Equestrian Legacy Radio, and you can listen to all of our shows. They just don't go away. They're, they're, they're there. It's eternal. That's a big <laughs> word for a radio show, isn't it? Eternal. 
But anyway, <laughs> it's eternal, been yes. <laughs> but but it's been fun having you join us today. And uh, you know, we haven't played this in a long time. Michael Martin Murphy had an album out a few years ago, and this is one of the songs from that album called Mountain Storm. And I thought, with all the rainy weather that we've been having here in the East right now, that would not be a bad song to play. So. We're going to close the show today with Michael Martin Murphy's Mountain Storm. Bobby, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, my friend. Before you cry